Hello and welcome to Please Don't Send Me Into Outer Space, the podcast intent on exploring all that science fiction and fantasy has to offer one movie at a time. Why are you guys airbending? <laughs> <laughs> I guess because it's warm. You're trying to bend the air directly into your faces. Uh, my name is Joel. My name is Sarah. My name is Aaron. This week was 12 Monkeys from 1995, directed by Terry Gilliam, written by Chris Marker, uh, based on his original movie, La Jetie, uh, David Peoples, and Janet Peoples, starring Bruce Willis as James Cole, Madeline Stowe as Dr. Rayleigh, Brad Pitt as Jeffrey Goines, 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 G-O-I-N-E-S, Goines, 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 okay, podcast is over. <laughs> David Morse as Dr. Peters, and Christopher Plummer as Dr. Goins. Uh, there are also special appearances from Frank Gorshin, Christopher Maloney, and uh, Matt Ross. Uh, I imagine Matt Ross is probably the name people... Well, what, what do you think? Do you think people less people will know who Frank Gorshin is or Matt Ross? I think Gorshin is definitely more recognizable than Ross. Ross sounds pretty uniform. Yeah. Gorshin, Gorshin kind of sticks out there. As the Riddler. Anybody who's a, like an old school Batman fan is like, oh, I know that name. I just don't know from where. It's like, yes. I can imagine him as an old man wearing that green spandex laughing in my face. That's not true. Sarah, what's your opinion? I'm Matt Ross. That's I don't know. Oh, okay. That's the guy that was from Big Love. There's another guy that you didn't name the Jose character. Oh, you recognized him? Yeah, because I, I saw Selena like a million times. Oh, so. okay. Was he Selena's boyfriend? Yeah. He got kicked off the bus? He got kicked off That's right. He put Tabasco on his pizza? He married Jennifer Lopez, but not in real life. Oh, okay, just in fake life. That's <laughs> <laughs> yes, before the maid shot him. So, 12 Monkeys, that was Sarah's pick. Tell us about your uh, why this movie has a special appeal to you. This movie, I probably saw on VHS when I was in high school. Yeah, maybe 97 or something I saw it. And um, I just became kind of obsessed with it. Like, I thought that it was the coolest thing ever. And I remember my aunt, who had this, like, amazing collection of tapes, when I told her, like, that I wanted to watch it again, she was like, Sarah... You're so cool. But she was like, this makes you even cooler because <laughs> now I know you're kind of weird, too, <laughs> because you like this movie. And I was like, well, yeah, I do like it because it's like, I don't know. There's something about it. When I was younger, I think I hadn't really seen a movie that played with your mind kind of in a way that 
like it challenged you more to think about things like and to put together a puzzle yeah and uh i liked mysteries and stuff but this was kind of a it was just so unique from other things that i had seen and it's funny and there's like really goofy parts in it but i just thought wow like i remember thinking just questions like questions that I never would have thought of before. Yeah, totally. Like, if we knew something ahead of time that would help us prevent something bad from happening, would knowing that somehow jeopardize us in some other way? Kind of a chain reaction and, like, cause and effect and sort totally. of those kind of questions. And sort of also, like a like, a spiritual question, too, about, like, if your soul can know something, like, before your head knows it, because there's this common thing going throughout it about, like, recognizing someone, like, oh, I recognize you. And some of those you get to put together nice and nice and easy. Um, I'm going on and on. No, 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 no. I, 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 this is great. This is good stuff. This is good stuff. Some, some of those pieces you, you say, oh, I remember you. And then you find out, like, I know this person because of this. But some of those things don't get answered. Yeah. Not in a, and I think it's still something you can think about. Like, I still, I, there's some questions I still have, I'm so, you know? I'm so glad you picked this one, Sarah, because <laughs> I, love, I love Terry Gilliam as well. Oh, cool. And I, it is, he's, he, he picks quirky people. He picks amazing costumes. Yeah. Um, and, and what you were saying earlier, like, I, it resonates with what I was just thinking, which is that uh, Gilliam always has this very strange, like, uh, like, his characters can control their destiny. And then out of nowhere, he'll be like, no, they can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. And that, that is that is always prevalent in a lot of Terry Gilliam films, is the, 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 the characters are just like, oh my god, I've got it all figured out. You know, this is it. And then, oh, crap, I don't. Yeah. I'm fallible. Oh, oh no, what's going to happen next? You know? That, that yeah. happens all the time. Uh, but, yeah. I just, Terry Gilliam's amazing. Um, I love, like, you could tell that he just found the right people, and he's just like, you know, you people are going to be making all my movies forever. Don't worry. I'll give you all the money. Yeah. You know, he must, he must take care of his crew because it seems like he always, ha- he, like all of his films always have this very similar feel to it. Yeah. And, and it's something that I really enjoy. So thank you. Oh, good. Thank yeah. You I'm glad you, I'm glad you like it. Yeah. I, I know it's kind of an, an older movie now, but it, it made a, an impact on me when I was younger and, and not like Bill and Ted's, I was probably like nine or something. And that was like fun. Yeah. And then this was a point in my life where I was starting to think about bigger questions. And I think that this movie I saw kind of at the right time because it kind of made me start thinking about other questions. Yeah. And, and I like things that are thought provoking. And I think it's really poignant too. I mean, there's a there's a bittersweetness about it as well. That's like silly, goofy, chaotic, and then there's this like sadness too. But like, I just really love it every time. There's a lot to unfold in this movie that is impossible to perceive on one viewing. Oh yeah, and yeah. that. I mean, that seems to be a Terry Gilliam thing, at least. I, you know, one of my favorite movies of all time is Fear of Loathing. 
and in Las Vegas. And that, you know, has got imagery and, you know, you're supposed to be on a drug trip with these guys as they're, they're traveling to Vegas and whatever. But there's just so much going on in the background. But I think that 12 Monkeys is probably at least twice as much stuff that you just <laughs> like, you can't take in everything that's going on. Like, uh, we used to have it on DVD. I have no idea what happened to that DVD. But on there is a documentary that just talked about the production. And uh, it paints Terry Gilliam out to be kind of a, like, obsessive, like, I have to have things my way oh, kind yeah. of crazy. Like, I was telling you that there's that one part after, uh, I don't, I don't know, it's a, after, uh, Let's say it's, it's a shot Ross, after Cole of- goes out to collect specimens for them. He comes back, he's been hosed off, he's sitting in a recovery chair, and there is, in the lower right-hand corner, a hamster running on a wheel. And it's like, when you I pointed that out to you, you, you it sw- had already switched to the other scene. You're like, oh yeah, there's more hamsters on, on that desk right there. Yeah. It's like, I, I hadn't noticed that there were hamsters connecting, but the in the documentary, it says like they had to do that shoot like 40 times because the hamster was not running <laughs> in the wheel. And that shot is like what, three seconds? Three seconds, yeah. And like there are, there must be so many other things that uh, you are details that you'd have to pick out. So it's like a super special movie, not just because it's science fiction, but because it's, it's kind of, uh, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know. Well, it's definitely science fiction, you know, well, or at least could be. No, of course it's, I'm not saying it's not science fiction. I'm saying, sorry, I misunderstood you. I'm saying that the movie is, what makes the movie special is not the fact that it's an interesting science fiction story. It's, uh, it's like the craft of the director and yeah, the yeah. cinematography. And, and totally. Such. Totally. I think it's both for me. I think it's it's partly that... Well, it's not one or the other. I don't... Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not all or nothing. <laughs> yeah. I don't... I didn't remember any wild animals... But I haven't seen this movie in a long time. Like, I think the last time I saw it, we watched it together. Who knows how long ago that was. A while ago. It's been a few years for me, too, since I've seen it. Yeah. I don't think I've watched it in the last couple years, but I have. This is a movie I've watched a lot of times, and I've always had a copy of it since, like, it was out on VHS, too. It's just one of those things that I... Not not like I'm sitting there watching it every day or something, yeah. but it's just a movie I feel like I can come back to and watch and like still have a pretty pretty have awesome movie watching experience oh, yeah. and then like also be like thinking afterwards like mm-hmm. about what happened and what what it might be insinuating in some places Piece that it together. isn't really made clear. Yeah. Yeah. Um do you care if we like spoil it or do you not want to? No, this is from '95. Yeah. I got you know, I got my ten year rule, so this yeah. actually just falls right outside of it. But I mean, if you don't want to be spoiled on the movie, uh, we we all think you should watch it. Obviously, right? It falls yeah. right oh, outside yeah. of the this. This is 20, definitely a watch for me. Years. Yeah, this is a continual watch for me. Mm-hmm. I, th- this will not be my last viewing of this film. I feel Absolutely. like you were saying that you, it's not like you watched it every day. I feel like you could watch it every day for like a month and see new things every time. It's one of those movies. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. it's like an Easter egg hunt. Like, you'll find little things here and there that are kind of either... There's something so humorous about this movie because they... 
I sound like a dork, but I'm just going to keep talking. No, it's fine. This is your movie. This is your <laughs> no. movie. Actually, we got a lot of emails. So you've, been, you've been doing a lot of dork I'm too dorky. So, yeah. um, no, I, I think it's really funny that there's so many places um, where they put, like, irony into it. And it's kind of like... It's kind of like a wink at you, but like the parts in the uh, in the asylum are just like the institution are so ridiculous. I love it. It's so ridiculous, over the top, and it's like it's like a mock. I don't. It's like they're taking on society and all of the questions on like this micro scale, and they're just poking fun at everything for a minute. And and the irony is, you know, one of one of the many ironies is that the crazy people know what they're talking about and the other the sane doctors don't. But there are so many other things like that in this movie that are just that you have to kind of laugh at. Like they're making them watch these cartoons where they're people are smashing their heads into things and there's um Yep. Just a bizarre, bizarre visuals, and and I think it does kind of point to how how crazy some things in in normal real life are. You know, I think Terry Gilliam must like cartoons because he makes a lot of cartoon movies. What do you mean by he's made a lot of cartoon movies? I mean, like the the things that happen in this movie are kind of wacky and you know, yeah. like machines and and uh, giant condom suits and uh, wild animals bouncing off the wall. But he likes making people dress up in layers. It's true. Yeah. That ineffectual plastic was like <laughs> on everything. It was like the plastic that people used to put over their couches to yep. protect them. It worked. <laughs> you know how I worked? I never touched one of those couches. <laughs> it's like everybody's a library book with a mylar wrapped yeah, around yeah. their, their dust jacket. Yeah. You gotta do that. I was say charging. Stupid high school. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. You're bringing it all back. So let's let's talk about certain things. Let's talk about Bruce Willis as an actor. What happened? Well, <laughs> are we talking about 1995 Bruce Willis? Or are we talking about current era I'm Bruce Willis? I'm talking about Bruce Willis in general. We, I mean, you watch one of our favorite movies is Die Hard. Sure, you know, watch that up and down. It's a great Christmas and it, movie. It, like he does, he's acting in that movie, but it's it's kind of like the formulation of the character that everybody expected from him from then on. You know, like except for in this movie, which uh, I think Die, what's Die Hard is like 93 or 92. Yeah, it's or early. 80, early. It's earlier. It's than 80s. This. Anyway, 12 Monkeys, his character is nothing like that. Like, Cole is vulnerable in a way that, uh, that, uh, what, what is his name in the, in the movie? I can't even remember. Anyway. James Cole? No, in Die Hard. Die Hard? It's, As a, uh. In Detective Die Hard. <laughs> Joel, you love that movie. Uh. McLean? McLean, thank you. Yeah. McLean is, know a, that is a tough, get work name. done stuff. In, in this movie, he's like so. He's got. He's doing so much like range. Yeah. It's it's like shocking to see, especially if the only thing you've seen is like his work from like the last ten years. You you know, you don't really have much to hold on. Like, why do people like Bruce Willis? I don't know. He does that Bruce Willis thing. Well, watch Twelve Monkeys. 
character is very obscure in this movie. You don't really get a, a strong idea of what his character was like before he was put in a cage at the beginning of this movie. Like, like his rap sheet is given to you at that one point when, when you know, he's standing in front of a, a group of scientists, you, you're, at least you're assuming. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, real quick, you know, <laughs> violence, uh, you know, all these things are kind of thrown at you about his character. But he doesn't really, I mean, I mean, other than, you you know, later on you hear he beats up police officers, he doesn't really exert much of these, uh, you know, much of these uh, prisoner-like qualities that were thrown at, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, he's, it's interesting. He's capable of violence. And yeah. they don't shy away from violence in this movie. No. Which I also think is interesting. Because there are a lot of goofy things going on. And we know what's going to happen eventually because we've been seeing flashbacks to the future, to the past, to the future yep. past yep. where people get shot. But everything in between that is kind of like, whoa, what's going on? Hey, where are we? Whoa, uh, Bruce Willis is naked. Bruce Willis is, okay, if if there are people out there who haven't seen this movie yet, I highly, highly recommend it. You might not like it as much as I did, but... You don't, you don't have to see the other 11 monkey movies beforehand. Just just watch the 12. <laughs> um, it just is... It's an interesting take on um, the idea of time travel. And Bruce Willis, not only does he act, like, so well, but <laughs> he gets put through hell in this movie. Yeah, you yeah. you see him go through physical trauma. You see him go through things that would physically be uncomfortable for an actor. I mean, but his acting makes it feel real. Yeah. He makes it feel real. Like, I remember feeling real pain for him in some of the scenes where something painful is happening to him or where something upsetting is happening to him. It's it makes you feel, and that's that makes it real for me. Yeah, mm-hmm. seeing seeing him deal with all of these these different things being thrown at him. Yeah, he's kind of the rock of this movie, as bald as his head is. He's <laughs> like, like the shiny rock. <laughs> you feel for his character. Yeah, totally. I mean, just a quick. I'm just going to give a quick description of what this movie is. Is that, do you want me to do that or no? No, I don't like to not. Yes, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> it's fine. So the movie is a story that's kind of told out of sequence, but kind of told in chronological order. It starts off with a man who's living in the future underground. He's sent to the past to try and find out what has caused this horrible plague that has destroyed human life on the planet and everyone has had to go underground. So that's just like a tiny bit of what it is, but there are so many moments in this. I think that's another reason I really like it is that he's so misunderstood by everyone. Yeah. Doesn't matter if he's in his own time, doesn't matter if he's in the past, doesn't matter if he's talking to a doctor nobody gets it like he keeps he keeps and at some point in the story in some points in the movie you start to see him give up he he says you wouldn't believe me even if i told you and things like that but but there are these moments where as an actor you believe him that he he is suffering because no one understands him and that he just wants to help that's all he wants to do very true. 
very uh, yeah that's it like <laughs> explains pretty much everything that happens to the poor guy oh man did you want to continue with the synopsis okay um just yeah okay so the the rest of it is that i mean there are some very colorful characters set design and some other almost steampunkish futuristic things that happen but basically he meets a doctor who's a psychiatrist he tells her what he is trying to accomplish. She thinks he's crazy, but he escapes from where he's being monitored for mental illness. So when she sees him again a few years later, it's sort of there. The story starts to make more sense in logical, rational yeah. terms. But before, it just sounded like a crazy person talking oh, yeah. nonsense. Which they blend in so well in this movie. There's, like, crazy people talking nonsense right next to somebody saying something that's true. Yeah, Bob. <laughs> and, they, and they point out to you pretty, pretty clearly that sanity is a matter of perspective and also a matter of what time you happen to be living in. Um, some things might be seen as completely normal in this time that would be seen as completely insane in a different time. You know, yeah. It's just that everything's stacked against this poor guy. <laughs> Everything. Like, I mean, I, like, I was sitting there watching the movie, and I, and, and I was just thinking, like, you know, I'm a psychiatrist, right? Like, I'm a guy <laughs> I'm a guy who's trying to help people, and this guy's telling me he's from the future, and everybody's gonna die in the year 1996. No. You're crazy. I'm going to up the dosage. We're going to lock you in a room until you realize that, yeah, you're not from the future. Because this is 1996 America, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a modern man in 1996, dude. I am not going to believe you. Yeah. <laughs> you're in that job. Well, to Dr. Uh, Dr. Riley's credit, she was extremely understanding compared to every other person he talked to. I mean, she was... She was listening. She wasn't believing. She was listening to what he was saying. You know, I, you know, I'm here to uh, fix a thing. I just need to make a phone call. Everybody was like, no, 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 no. Have some pills. She was like, okay, let's try. Let's try this. Who, let's see who are you going to call? Yeah, yeah, she she wants to, as as a doctor, try and help him through finding out what this you know, coping mechanism or whatever he's developed is. I'm going to say that's very dangerous, though. Yeah. It's a very dangerous thing to be playing with. Not that I'm a psychologist. Mm -hmm. Not that I have any idea what I'm talking about right now. Oh, don't sell yourself short. Come on now, but think about it. Okay, so, like, you have this crazy delusion that making this phone call, call is exactly what's going to make everything right in the world. Suddenly, this phone call doesn't do that. Uh, I mean, most cases, I'm going to think that people would probably lose it at that point, you know? Like, that mm -hmm. was the one thing that was that was keeping you going, and it suddenly was not true. Yeah. Yeah. Going to say that that would not be a good thing. And nowadays... Not to be a dick, but that's no, just no. my... <laughs> nowadays, with, like, a further, you know, analysis, somebody might think that exposing a truth like that, like, oh, there's actually not somebody you're looking for on the other end of this line, might break their... Not not break their psychosis, not, like, make them feel like, oh, there is something wrong with me. Most people might be like, no, you're trying to trick me, you know, it make yeah. it worse. So uh, you can yeah. understand for safety reasons why somebody might be like, 
no, you can't do that. Yeah. You know, it's it's okay. You know, we're, we're working on something. But uh, it wasn't that kind of hospital. Obviously. She keeps saying, and, and I think maybe just from how many times I've watched it, she has an attachment to him. She feels a familiarity with him for some reason. And she decides that she, even though she's afraid of him at first, that she wants to try and help him. Yeah. yeah. And, um... No, she's she's cool. She's willing to give him the benefit of the doubt before she even steps foot into the jail cell that they're holding him in. Because when they get there, the cop is telling her what happened, and she's already looking at him and saying, looks like you guys harmed him. Looks like this happened. Like, she's already that kind of a a person trying to um, stand up for the underdog or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. I just, I'm curious your opinion on this. She says, I feel like I've seen you before. I feel like I've met you. What do you think that is? Oh, man. I assume she can only mean, wait, wait, wait. She hadn't seen him at that point. Nope. There was no connection whatsoever at that point, which is, which is actually was going to be one of my questions as well, Sarah, just because it was like such a weird moment in the movie where you're like, what? I mean, maybe it's some sort of predestination. Oh. Kind of thing. Well, was she? Oh, see what he did there. Was she working on that, <laughs> that thing in 1996 that we saw later? Was she working it, on it back in the 90s? Because if she was, maybe she'd seen that World War One. Oh, that's true. That's what I was wondering. But that's, that's that is the only thing. That's the only clue. Yeah, she saw that naked man, baby, I, and she was like, "I recognize him anywhere." I was always under the impression that the incident occurring with. Um, Bruce Campbell's character was what led her to to get into this kind of nut brain uh, book scheme because she's trying to rationalize, you know, why her patient disappeared to begin with. Mm-hmm. So I believe that's why later on in the movie when she you does see her the again, research. all that research is done because of because oh. of that. Deal. Okay, okay. So she goes to the cabin. She finds the book of the dead. They read the incantation. <laughs> You said Bruce Campbell. Anyway. <laughs> well, oh. Bruce Willis. Bruce, Bruce Willis. Willis, sorry. Now imagine if Bruce Campbell was oh, man. in this movie. Oh, that'd be awesome. It'd be a different kind of movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. It would you should be, have been... Have you ever seen Darkman? No. Okay, never mind. <laughs> We're talking about 12 Monkeys. Sorry. <laughs> okay, okay. So, uh, the important question about Bruce Willis and his performance. Sure. Bruce Campbell like, Willis. We, we, we all think he's really freaking good in here. <laughs> yeah. What did you think of his butt? Because we saw it three different three times. times. And I think we might have even seen his junk at one point. <laughs> I don't... I can't comment on the junk part, because I don't really... If it was, it was flashed very quickly. Mm-hmm. A blur, um, maybe. But I'm going to say he worked out. He was working out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He had no, a nice gluteus. Tight, was, toned. Yeah, it was pretty toned. Oh, Actually, okay. and uh, I mean, not to not to derail this at all, but I mean, uh, Brad Pitt's butt was pretty, pretty toned as well there. That's true. Because he flashed us as well. Skinnier than I was used to seeing, yeah. Well, I think his character was supposed to be in an insane asylum for a while, so I don't think he'd bulked up yet. I understand. For his later action movie roles or whatever. Yeah, I wonder how much experience he's had. I didn't actually look that up. But, you know, research. Whatever. Yeah. Meh. We did do research. We watched the movie. (laughs) We watched the short film that this movie was based on. Yeah. Yeah, I actually liked it. Yeah, like... Uh, you guys, I, I didn't. I wanted you to form your own opinions, but I honestly feel like that is one of the best movies I've ever seen. I was impressed. I yeah. was impressed with the Jet Jetty. Is that correct? Uh, Jetty. I don't know. Jetty. That's a magic card, but I don't know. Yeah. 
Lafayette. It's from the it's from the Kamigawa set. I don't. I don't. It's like French. it's like a it's like a Ninja Turtle sigh. Anyways, it is that that movie is like the basic outlining of the story, and yeah. you can see how he went and expanded it there. But as I was watching it, I got I got these weird thoughts about a lot of the remakes that are happening nowadays, mm-hmm. and how people you know are really pissed off about them. Yeah, I, I was really glad to hear when you mentioned at the beginning of our episode that uh, the person who wrote that also helped write Twelve Monkeys. Is that was well? That I, I think it's just bait. You or know, is it just you know how they give story credit for people? Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm not sure how much Chris Marker. I'm okay. not even sure if Chris Marker is like an actual person or if it's just like a name that somebody yeah. used as a pseudonym or something okay. like that. I, I have no idea, but okay, yeah. All I'm going to say is I really liked the original and I love Twelve Monkeys as well. Yeah, they're so. both good. And, and they complement each other. I thought the the the, um, the idea of it just being a series of photos of the narrative was mm-hmm. was some, I've never seen these. Kind of mind blowing how well it works. You you you're totally immersed in the world. You yeah. know, you're totally immersed in that world. I felt like I was in a subterranean area staring yeah. at statues. Dudes in glasses were staring at me. You know. Yeah, we had watched. Uh, you you watched? Did you watch it with me? Or I watched it by myself before. We, we, you guys watched it after I'd watched it. Yeah. And uh, I was downstairs while you guys were watching it, mm-hmm. and just listening to the sounds was giving me these like little chills in my back because yeah. it's like you can hear him narrating like they took me to the room and they I expected the scientists to be cruel, but they were very understanding. And then you hear, mm-hmm. yeah, the slight whispering in the background. Whispering. It's like, yeah, I can hear that from downstairs. And I was like, oh, is the movie? No, no, the movie's still going on. That's part of the movie. That's Creeped me out, dude. Cool. Creeped me yeah. out. It's like, you can't really understand what's going on. My coolness. We didn't see that guy's butt, though, so I don't know. What <laughs> I, I thought that was kind of... I had heard that there was a short that this movie was based on. And I think I kind of created in my imagination a movie that this was based on that that movie we watched earlier was absolutely nothing like. (laughs) And, and I liked that movie we watched earlier, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of funny that the other stuff that I pictured is just figments of my imagination. Uh. (laughs) I basically had, I, I had thought about it before and I guess I came up with, this no, makes you, me sound crazy. No, no, you formulate in your idea in your mind what kind of short film what kind this of could short, be based what kind, on. What kind of short film could have been made more primitively yeah. than this yeah. that this is based on? And I think the only information I knew is that it was about a guy who travels back in time and meets with this woman. Right. And maybe that he sees his own. It was post back to the future, so Yeah. Which inspired Spoilers. what? Well, I, I have to say that at least between the two, that it, in in Twelve Monkeys, it felt like Bruce Willis's character could change the future, or at least I felt that that was the case. Whereas in the short, it, it just felt like it felt like everything was so insurmountable. Like what he was trying to obtain was just unbelievably un legete. Okay, thank you, legete. Sorry. No, that's okay. not the magic card. I, I realize yeah. that unless I write it out, it's it's kind of hard to realize what. Don't I'm worry, saying. don't worry. I, I don't speak French. Neither do I. I'm sorry to anyone in France who might listen to us. The, the serious nature of the short 
is it like it it can throw you off is because they're twelve monkeys is has humor. Yeah, it, it's got like it's it's a dark comedy basically. Yeah. I mean, there's like things are horrible, but you can't help but laugh at how silly it is. You know, with a the sphere with people's faces on it, and uh, you know, the, like we said before, the the rubber suit he has to put on <laughs> to go outside that just looks like a, it reminded me of the condoms from uh, the Naked Gun. Like, <laughs> <laughs> practice safe sex. So do I. <laughs> Gilliam loves to put people in a bunch of rubber. Like mm-hmm. it's it, it several other movies that's happened, or just really nutsoid weirdo costumes. So. It's I'd, very I dig it. I time, dig time bandits, uh, all of them, all of his movies. Somebody's dressed up like a weirdo. Have not seen Time Bandits. Love it. Haven't seen Brazil. Oh, so good. Haven't seen so Tideland. Haven't seen uh, The Fisher King. It was Munchausen. Very Munchausen. Haven't seen Baron Munchausen. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Which is funny. It's like, oh, I haven't barely seen any uh, Terry Gilliam movies. Well, I've seen. Fair and Loathing, I've seen 12 Monkeys, and, you know, <laughs> there was a couple others. Uh, wait, oh, I haven't seen, what's that, uh, The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus? That's the only one I haven't seen, actually. Oh. I mean, I, I started sort of started watching it, and then mm. I don't know what happened. Yeah. I just didn't finish it for whatever reason. But yeah, yeah, 12 Monkeys, man. Awesome. I think the only other ones I've seen are Fear and Loathing, Brazil, and The Fisher King, which... The Fisher King, I didn't know is Terry Gilliam, but that's like one of my dad's favorite movies. And there are a lot of parallels between this movie and The Fisher King, oh, except like that, yeah. except they don't have a time machine in The Fisher King. Yeah, it's basically battling battling your own psyche and your own ghosts, but and kind of in the same time period as this is set in. But there's. There's a twist of fate in it, too. There's also, like, kind of a element of what we can and can't control and what and what happens to us versus what we choose. I don't know. Just kind of... Yeah, there are some, there are some similar elements, but specifically the stuff that's seen as crazy in this movie, I'd say, is kind of similar to the stuff that's crazy in The Fisher King. Yeah. I agree with you totally. Like, it, it's, it's just really cool how Terry Gilliam can, can get that, that feel that, like, you know, the character's motivation is entirely accurate. You know, the audience is in there. You know, we're there. We're like, yeah, we're behind this guy 100%. And then he starts throwing all these doubt bombs at you, you know? And you're like, yeah. oh, God, maybe, they, maybe Bruce Willis is crazy. Maybe, maybe Robin Williams, you know? You know, maybe he just is a crazy homeless guy, but then, you know, yeah, love it. Absolutely love it. That That's one of my, again, like you mentioned earlier, it it's really fun for your brain. So fun for your brain. And that's what I really enjoy about Terry Gilliam films and 12 Monkeys in particular. Yeah. Totally. It's similar to, uh, uh, what is his name, Duke, uh, Johnny Depp's character in Fear and Lonely in Las Vegas, because he's, he's kind of, he, he's like... Hunter uh, S. Thompson? Yeah, yeah, Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah, oh, he's not playing Hunter S. Thompson. He's playing a character named Duke. Oh, Something. no, n- nothing to do with. Yeah, Hunter. yeah, they're, they're not related. <laughs> yeah, there's absolutely nothing similar oh, okay. about the two in there. So. You know, and and Gus Van Sant made <laughs> Gus Van Sant made a movie uh, that has nothing to do with Kurt Cobain mm, at all. That's right. Nothing. Yes. Just a musician. Or Columbine. His name is something else. Or that boy genius from Southie. <laughs> 
I was thinking. I was say oh, go ahead. About, anyways, go, go, uh, go. I was saying that uh, Johnny Depp's character is similar to Brad, the way Brad Pitt's character acts, acts ah. in this movie. They're, they're kind of manic and like all over the place, and you know uh, that's like that goes along with the cartoon thing I was saying because that's kind of a cartoon thing. Ooh, uh, oh, oh, Woody Woodpecker, you know, pecking on the wall. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Total, total cartoon character that they're Brad Pitt. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. He was really good in this movie, too. I love it whenever he plays a character. <laughs> like, when he's not Brad Pitt. I love his contact lens. He didn't eat anything in this movie, either. Mm -hmm. he, what? He, he didn't, didn't eat, eat any anything? Yeah, that's that's a that's thing. It. The only person we saw eating was when Bruce Willis Never put that mind. spider in his mouth. Yeah, Bruce Willis did eat a spider. But no, no, Brad Pitt, you know, later on, he just ate stuff in movies. That was the thing for a while. Don't shake your head at me. You know what I'm talking about. Yes, I do know what you're talking about. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> no, but I really liked him in this movie. I liked the uh, contact lens. I liked, uh, you know, uh, the idea that, you know, he was the baddie, you know, the the guy, the mastermind, <laughs> perhaps. Uh, it was fun. It was real fun. Definitely. I love how Brad Pitt in this movie, he's so funny which, like, you don't usually get to see him be that funny. Um, but also just how unaware he is of... <laughs> it's so funny because he plays a character who's a conspiracy theorist, basically. I mean, he kind of does know stuff, too, but he comes off like... he's being He's being approached by someone from the future saying you did this to the human race and this is going to happen and you have to stop. And and he's going, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and um, it's hilarious because you don't know as the viewer if he's just crazy and he is going to do something really, really terrible and he doesn't know how to put it together or if he really is innocent He's not innocent. He just likes flipping people off. I mean, that's that's his character arc. <laughs> How many people can I flip off? One, two, three, Beautiful. four, seven, ninety-five. So, yeah. I should have counted how many times. Every time he flips somebody off, take a shot. That was great. That was great. Yeah. Also shows and there were parts in this movie like you know he's he's acting crazy. He's he's kind of over the top, but I mean it's an enjoyable over the top. Uh, there's. Like craziness everywhere in this movie, like that uh, when we flash from 1990 to 1996 and she's giving that speech, that talk. Yeah, she's talking to the people about her theories about time travel. Well, I think you're right. I think she started research for this doomsday mental illness this this um powerlessness to change what you know is going to happen or what you think is going to happen i think that started from her watching him yeah yeah i really do think so which is crazy because that means that she never met him before well but the thing the thing too that that, that kind of frightens me about it is is that bruce Willis went into the past you know he goes to this he, he's in this insane asylum he meets Brad Pitt's character. He tells Brad Pitt's character about, you know, how 
the animals, you know, or that humans should be extinct, you know? Yeah. Giving him that seed, right, in order to, to you know... He doesn't say that, but that's what Brad Pitt hears. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There are yeah. several people that say that in this movie. Oh, but, but yeah. the first. You know what I mean? First. I'm yeah. just saying it's a yeah. repeated statement. Mm-hmm. A couple of different people. And then, and then, okay, so then, and then and he also plants this, well, at least, you know, based on our discussion, he plants this seed as well uh, in, in the psychiatrist to begin this, this work on this book. Who do we see at that book signing, though? Who do we see? That dude. Stephen with the King. Red hair. Yeah, Stephen King. There you go. So, in, in, in my, you know, what I'm trying to get at is About David Morse. David Morse's character right. shows up. He's loving this, this idea. I think, in, in a lot of ways, that Bruce Willis basically doomed the future by coming back to the it past. Ch- yeah, it <laughs> makes you Domino's. ask that. Yeah, yeah, it makes you think about that. And um, Certainly what they're trying to say, you know. Meddling with time. But I'm not sure. There is a really, really good podcast uh, about 12 Monkeys that uh, me and Sarah listen to. Uh, it's called Junk Food Cinema. And the episode is called Monkey Business. Mm-hmm. And they talk about some things that, like, freaking blew my mind about this movie. Because it's, I, like, I don't want to go into it because it's not my idea. Yeah. It's not even their idea, but, you know, they present it so well. I, I think if you want to hear some really cool things about the movie, you should look that up. Junk Food Cinema. Cool. But it has to do with schizophrenia and how it goes great on tacos. <laughs> cool. So what do you guys think of that fanny pack? Pretty sweet. Yeah, that guy had a pretty cool fanny <laughs> pack. Is there anything particularly 90s besides that? Seal crazy poster. Oh yeah, <laughs> Seal and Muse. Yeah, that wasn't. That well, was, it was not. Muse. It was not Muse. It was a different Muse yeah. thing. Okay. Muse didn't exist till okay. a little bit later, maybe late nineties. Oh, well, maybe they stole the idea from this movie. Yeah, could be. Could be. Bat Boy, Bat Child. Yeah, cave. that was cool. That was cool seeing the seeing that tabloid Bat Boy. Mm-hmm. I was getting, they kept referencing the story of a boy having fallen down like a, you know, a pipe or something like that. And I kept thinking, this is the balloon boy. <laughs> He's faking it. He didn't actually go anywhere in that balloon. I don't know if I know balloon boy, but you'll have to link a story for us. Okay. Can... Yeah, it was a news story. A really annoying news story. <laughs> I must have missed out on that somehow. A couple of years ago. Cool. It, was, it was probably like a decade ago now. Time. Time is funny. I like time travel movies. I do too. It's fun to think about. I do too. Yeah, I think if you if you want to know what was nineties, the clothes were nineties. Yeah. Um, Pretty time capsule. What in particular made them nineties? Well, women's fashion had like these specific cuts in the nineties where things were like belted, and she wears an outfit that's like. A long sleeve, like, turtleneck with, like, a skirt and tights and, like, heels with tights. There's other stuff, too, that she wears. A dress. She wears um, a trench coat that's cut 90s style. Mm-hmm. Things he wears that are 90s are the stuff he wears in the asylum. Brad Pitt wears clothes that are 90s. All the men with ponytails. Yeah, I was about to mention. All the men with ponytails. <laughs> That's so <laughs> not cool. <laughs> I don't. I mean, that's. Uh, I, I probably should say hey, that. They're perfectly nice people with ponytails. I Superman just had a had a ponytail. 
You mean the Superman that escaped into the new 52 universe from the old universe, right? Uh, I'm talking about the one who came back from the dead. Oh, yeah, a mullet. He had a full um, mullet. <laughs> no, man, when Clark Kent, when Superman was Clark Kent, Clark Kent. Oh, yeah, he dude. put it back in a ponytail, but when he was Superman, he had a mullet. <laughs> well, there's no lie that he did have a mullet when he was just Superman. Oh, I had a, I had all those Return of, I had, like, the, the full series, you know, Death, uh, World yep. Without, and Return of Superman. So I remember him in his skin-tight black outfit with silver bands and his mullet. Yeah, dude. And that terrible art. Mm. That's just my opinion. <laughs> ah, I really right. don't Loved like uh, whoever that artist is. No, it's okay. But there was a time where I loved that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was a moment in this where Brad Pitt had long hair hanging down with a beanie on. Um, quintessentially 90s. <laughs> yep. Yeah, hanging out in uh, quintessentially 90s Philadelphia. <laughs> I think... They were in Hoboville the whole time they were, like, in the present tense. Makes sense. I mean, that is that is what Bruce Willis's character... That's what Cole was familiar with, you know? So, naturally, I think he would seek that out. I mean, what would he even do? He, when he gets caught trying to infiltrate the mansion, I mean, yeah. he's, he stands out right away. And yeah. People take him up to that room. It's uh, That's actually really interesting as well, because uh, it... I feel that in that scene where, where they're in um, Brad Pitt's character's dad's house, that, that there's like almost this weird kind of thin veil between like uh, <laughs> what's considered civilized and proper. And then Bruce Willis just kind of comes in and just tears it all apart. And everyone's getting, getting all crazy and animalistic in the room when, when he's like hopping over the tables. Like it seems like they almost lose that, 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 that thin bit of uh you know, Decorum, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was a very interesting thing that I noticed this time around. Mm-hmm. What The only thing I wrote down, I drew pictures while we were watching it, but the only thing I wrote down was the word zoo. Because there are so many moments in this movie where people act like animals, or animals are being brought into it somehow or other, or they're in cages, or they're out of cages. And I just felt like it was constantly like bringing you back to this like primitive mind state of like animals in a zoo or being freed or whatever. Yeah, I do like that the origin of the animals that are just out when uh, we're in the future and there's a bear and that's trying to touch his dingus and then there's a <laughs> there's the lion and, and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, it's because um, they let him out of the zoo that day. But that kind of makes you feel like maybe we're not that far into the future, which which adds this kind of other, you know, paradox going on. Unless the 12 monkeys kept going after uh, Brad Pitt gets arrested within the time when the, the disease really hit. You know, there's questions. You can poke holes in it, but who wants to do that? What do you think of Christopher Plummer's southern accent? <laughs> I actually liked Christopher Plummer in this. Yeah. I like him in general. Yeah. But, uh, he didn't, uh, man, I don't know. Last thing I saw him in that I really liked him in was he was the one that was in uh, The Last Station, right? Cool. You know what I'm talking about? Well, we just saw Somewhere in Time, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is also about time travel. I feel like that was inspired kind of by, uh, if not, I mean, it had to be inspired by La Jetty, not, not 12 Monkeys. The old, like, Visioning yourself in a focusing on a uh, vision that you have of the future and then being able to transport then 
Because in La Jetie, that's the only way he's able to move forward is he has this memory of a woman's face. Mm-hmm. And that's what uh, Christopher Reeve is doing in Somewhere in Time. Yeah, he's able to transcend space and time just through meditation, basically. Which is kind of a cool concept. We just watched that movie. It's a tangent. Um, <laughs> but well, sounds like fun. No, no, it's good. Well, that movie's a downer. <laughs> oh, well, it's. Done. I wouldn't say it's more of a downer than this is. Mm, no, you're right. You're right. It's. Uh, in fact, that movie, for the most part, is is actually not a downer. And then at the end, they're just like, "Hey, by the way, are you enjoying this?" Boom! Punch to the stomach. Yeah. In this movie, you know something's going on. Did you guys notice that there's that scene where I I really like it, where he's telling her, you were in my dream, and she goes, what, what happened in your dream? And he says, it's the same dream I always have. You're really upset. You're sad about something. And um, he goes, I just never knew it was you. And she goes, it's not me. Um, you've put me into your dream because of what's going on with us right now. So you you put my face into uh, your dream sequence, mm-hmm. which he didn't. It is a memory that he legitimately has, and that's this whole cycle that he's remembering over and over again. But did you realize that one of those flashbacks to the dream or the memory he has does have someone put in? Yes. It Based on what, askew yeah. At one point, which is which is another another one of those moments in the movie. Where you're just like, what? What? Yeah, no, he really yeah. he did what she was saying he yep. was doing. Yeah, yep. he sees Brad with yeah. Brad Pitt. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I just think it's funny that they do that. Yeah, because what she's saying is perfectly true. It this does movie, happen. This movie just messes with you. It yeah, messes with and you. Then, that also happens to him when he's drugged out trying to escape the uh, asylum is he sees a uh, security guard sitting at the table and he's like, the, that elevator is broken. You got to use elevator one. And he sees this as uh, a guy we see very briefly in the future. That's like recruiting people for this experiment. And then it turns back into a normal person. So he's, you know, he's flashing in and out, not sure what's real in his mind. Yep. And neither are we. That's right, man. We, the viewer. People are cropping up from his time mm-hmm. in other places, too. Oh, yeah. yeah, Bob. Uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. It's an awesome movie, man. You were saying parts of it were reminding you of the world, the flesh, and the devil, too? Yeah, the the part in the uh, department store, specifically, when... In the beginning of the movie, he goes to the surface of the planet to collect samples, um, biological samples like cockroaches yeah, and stuff bugs. that are still left alive on the planet so that the scientists can test them and see, you know, try to create an antidote or whatever it is they're doing. You're trying to see um, how delicious they are. That's another thing that it totally pokes fun at is the system and the idea that there are people in charge who know what they're doing and they totally don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I feel like the end kind of totally like goes like, <laughs> nope. Everything is just random. Like, no, but the person who's above you knows just as much as you do, which is nothing. See, I think that is, like, the ending is interpreted based on, like, 
what you think. Like, I definitely had a different interpretation than you did, Joel. I think I I think I choose to interpret it the way Aaron interpreted it. Oh, whatever. You guys were dancing the hula when I was watching the movie, so you weren't paying attention. Dancing the hula. I'm yeah. more of a Macarena man myself. Oh. It's not the 90s. <laughs> God. <laughs> I don't feel so good anymore. <laughs> but anyway, when he's on the surface of the planet, he goes into this abandoned department store to get a bunch of stuff to get um insects and things and it does remind me of the world of flesh and the devil that moment when they well when they go into stores to get things yeah. and nobody else is there it reminded me kind of of well the the short kind of reminded me of stalker too yeah or well, that opening, that, that bit, too, when he's up on top is like Stalker, yeah. because it's, you know, the Wasteland. Mm-hmm. Except for in there, it, was, it wasn't called the Wasteland. I can't remember what it was called. I'm not watching it again right now, all right? The Zone? Yeah, it's time to zone. go watch Stalker again, Joel. The Zone. The Dead Zone. Gotta go watch it again. No, thank you. Um, I'll watch it later. <laughs> it kind of reminded me of uh, Gladiator, too. The Gladiators. The gladiators, yeah. The the ending part with the black and white photos. Yeah. The short kind of reminded me of that. Uh, yes. The um, brutality of man. I mean, do you th- is the what period of film was the short that this was made after? Mm, I don't know. It was in the sixties. Yeah. I, I don't know any details about it. I, I don't know what style of film it is. I don't even know what country it was made in. Uh, I, I assume it was made in France, but all the dialogue is in English. We come from France? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Do we have a huge taxidermy animal museum in this country? Disturbing. Well, I think there was... Like fossils and stuff in there, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, there was definitely, like, a mastodon skeleton. And there was like a big old skeleton in the back. Have you ever been to the? Never mind. I'll talk. I'll, I'll talk to you later. I am terrified of giant animals. I don't want to go to a museum. Okay. It belongs in a not not me. Somebody else. <laughs> sure thing, Joe. Yes. Sure thing. So good movie, huh? Loved it. I'll see it again probably soon because I like watching this one a yeah. lot. Real good. Thank you, Sarah. Yay! Sure. Sorry, I hope it wasn't too, like... Uh, What's the matter? Nothing. Yeah. I just know it's a little bit existential. Like, I like, to, I like to do those things. Yeah, I hate that sh- No, no, no. I, I, no I, I hope you understand. I love this movie, yeah. Listen, even if you're it's not into one. existentialism, I mean, it's a really good, twisty yeah. movie. And it's like, yeah. you get to see Bruce Willis in that prime acting mode. You get to see Brad Pitt playing characters, which is awesome. You know, it's it's got all this cool stuff. Yes. You get to see where Christopher so, Maloney got the idea that he wanted to be a play a cop on Law & Order SVU. Yeah. <laughs> True Tales. So next week, uh, we're going to do Campo's pick, which is Tetsuo the Iron Man. Now, I've been told that this is a disturbing body horror movie. It's brutal. Okay. <laughs> it's pretty brutal. So, hide your kids, hide your wife, whatever you need to do. I've never seen it. You've never seen it, right? Nope. Did you watch it when I wasn't watching? 
Nope. I knew it. I've seen it. So I'm going to read the outro stuff. You guys need to think of a lesson, a very important lesson from this movie, because people are, you know, this is what people wait for. This is why they listen to the podcast. They don't really care about the movie. I'm pretty sure they listen to it like four times speed just so they can get to the part where we talk about the lessons. It's really important, guys. Lessons are really important. Really important. (laughs) Email any suggestions or comments to please don't podcast at gmail.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or the podcatcher of your choice. Like us on Facebook. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash pdsmios. You can follow us on Twitter. It's at Outer Space Pod. If you subscribe to us on iTunes, please leave us a star rating or a written rating. We would appreciate it. Thank you very much in advance. All right. I know that we all love this movie. Yes. And that we've all probably seen it at least, uh, how many times would you say you've seen this movie? Maybe 30. 30 times? I've probably seen it maybe three or four, but I like it a lot. And I've seen it like three times. Sarah, you win. Yay! Yay! I probably watched it at least 15 times, like when I was in high school. You're so awesome, Sarah. No. <laughs> Back in high school, I was watching The Saint. <laughs> or something like that. Star uh, Wars. I, oh. oh yeah. I have to give Val Kilmer. Yeah. <laughs> I have to give credit to my cool aunt and my cool mom. They they uh, exposed me to some pretty cool movies. They seem pretty cool. Yeah. I wish I had cool stuff. Oh, we just didn't watch science fiction movies. <laughs> have you guys ever seen the Prisoner TV show? No. Unrelated entirely. I have heard so much good stuff about it. Oh I really want to watch it. It's so good. Yeah. Unrelated totally. I so. kind of, I watched part of that Jim My Caruso dad showed that to me. I just one. wanted to talk about things. <laughs> no, no. My parents or that's people what, told me. That's what we're here for, talking about cool things. Like Cool Ranch Doritos. Mmm, delicious. Oh. I hate Cool Ranch Doritos. How refresh, right? They taste terrible. <laughs> I like the San Luis Obispo chips. Ooh. What? The taco chips yeah. from Taco Factory or whatever? Ooh, yeah, I like those. I'm trying to think of the... The baby fluff just there's brushed. A, there's a spicy chip I like, but I can't seem to remember the name of it right now. It comes from, like, Seattle or Portland. It's a spicy one. It's got, like, the shape of the state on the front of the bag. Oh, cool. Do you know, have no. you guys ever tried that? Okay. Wait, Oregon or Washington? I, that, see, I can't, I can't remember. I just see the shape in my head, but it's like not making sense right now. Okay, I apologize. That's a really good chip, though. Oh, that's good. If I see a state on a bag, next episode, yeah, answers will, things will be revealed. <laughs> I'm gonna put it in the show notes so you can don't forget. Don't forget that you have promised this to the listeners. Oh, I'll probably let him down. Uh huh. <laughs> so, what lesson did you learn from this movie? Um, I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> this movie shows that you can find evidence behind posters in uh, any heavily postered area. Don't actually do that because it's just gonna you're just gonna find something really gross. Your hands are gonna be really gross, and unless you're from the the future, which is sterile, you, you should just avoid that. That that's the lesson I learned from this movie. Ew. Come mm. on, you've seen it thirty times. I was trying to think of something clever to say, but I don't know if I can do that. Well, um, the I, I mean, you heard the thing I said. That wasn't clever. Come on. 
I guess I think the lesson is to enjoy life and exist as much in the present as you possibly can because it is kind it does kind of have like a tone of like that time is of the essence and that everything is kind of fleeting and I and I I know that's like something people say but I I do think that this movie makes that point. Yeah, no it really does. You should hang on to the people you care about and let them know that you cherish them and that kind of thing. Be excellent to each other. Yeah. Be excellent to each other. I like, I like that. I think there was that one scene, right, where uh, where the psychiatrist just tells uh, Bruce Willis's character that you know you got to stop and smell the smell the flowers. Is that what it was? <laughs> I, I maybe I'm misquoting it. Yeah, no, no, my, yeah. Brain, my brain's not. Working. I think that's exactly what she says. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She doesn't yeah. say roses. She says flowers. flowers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think uh, my lesson for this movie is, is that uh, you gotta. You gotta do what you gotta do. You gotta you gotta swallow that spider. <laughs> Just uh, reach out, grab that spider, and swallow it. I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of a lame lesson. That but, sounds uh, like something my crazy uncle would say. Sometimes you gotta reach out and swallow that spider, man. <laughs> what? What are you talking about? Um, no, it's good enough. No, I think not. the caffeine's wearing off. That is a good lesson, man. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you gotta swallow that spider. <laughs> Get it on a t-shirt. We'll see you next week, folks. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye.